Blog Talk Radio. The Franciscan Friars of the Atonement present the Ave Maria Hour. Hello, this is Father Bob Warren of the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. Thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour radio show. The Friars' popular Ave Maria Hour was first brought to the radio airwaves in 1939, recorded in New York City and on the mountainside grounds at Graymoor, a home in Garrison, New York. These timeless classic stories of the Bible and the lives of the saints came to life each week through dramatic reenactment by professional actors and actresses. You know, friends, Christ once said, Do not hide your treasure under a bushel. In saying this, he meant share your gifts, share your talents. The Friars of the Atonement feel the message in these broadcasts remains as powerful and timely as when they were originally aired, and we are so happy to be able to share them with you today. To learn more about the missions and ministries of the Friars of the Atonement, I invite you to visit our website, www.atonementfriars.org. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour. Blessed Maria Assunta. Special to Pacific News Agency, San Francisco, USA. Dateline, Hong Kong, August 17, 1900. Your correspondent just arrived this crown colony from the Chinese mainland. A reporter's job is to report, report what he has seen and what he has heard. But how does one report what cannot be printed? How does one describe the barbaric hate and cruelty of a people who boasts of a culture and civilization predating Christ? The monsoon season is here in this part of the world. The soil of China is soaked and steaming in the heat. I left a deluge of rain that will maybe wash away some of the Christian blood that is being spilled there. I have seen only a small part of what we are calling the Boxer Uprising. A better name would be the Chinese Nightmare. I have seen such hatred for the Christian world as to warp the imagination. Near a town called Tong Il Kiel, I saw a little band of Catholic nuns being dragged along a road. They were being taken somewhere to be tortured, then killed. They stumbled, fell, and were brutally pulled to their feet, then kicked and punched along in their death march. And they sang the Te Deum, glorifying God. And this much more is what is going on all over China in this year, 1900. 
63 years ago. I was a young man of 25. Two years later, after I'd cabled that first story of the Boxer Uprising, the United States and Allied forces had re-established some form of control over the Chinese revolutionists. And I was transferred to Europe. But in 1904, my office decided to send me back to China. I sailed from Naples in March. By the time we had passed through the Suez Canal, I discovered we had a group of Franciscan nuns aboard, also on their way to China. One night in the Red Sea, I spoke to one of them. I found her standing beside the ship's rail, watching the night. Oh, good evening, sister. Good evening, Mr. Copeland. Oh, how do you know my name? Oh, you were pointed out to us. You're a newspaper man, aren't you? Well, I, I had no idea I rated such attention. <laughs> I am Sister Maria Asinta. Wow. How do you like the tropics? The tropics? Oh, well, I'm not sure. It really doesn't matter to me where I am. I'm just so very anxious to get to China and begin work. Well, China's a pretty rough place. Yes, we were told that. Especially for foreigners, and especially for Christians, and uh, more especially for missionaries. I know. Uh, to what part of China are you going? To the mission at, uh, oh, I think it's called Taiwan Fu, near a village. I'm not sure I can pronounce the name. Uh, Tong L Q. Oh, my God, no. Oh, uh, forgive me, forgive me. I... Oh, I'm sure you meant it prayerfully. Yeah, I think I did. Do you know this village? The village and the mission. You won't find much of the mission left. It was in ruins when I last saw it. Yes, we were afraid it might be. Some of our sisters were killed there. Butchered is the proper word. We feel so very privileged to be going there to take their place. Sister, I saw them. You saw them? I was hiding in a farmhouse along the road. We heard they were singing. Is, is that true? Yeah, yeah, a hymn of some kind. Tadeum. Sister, they went to a horrible death. For our Lord, Mr. Copeland. Believe me, they died happily because they died for him. Well, I, I guess it must make some kind of sense to you. I, I still find it hard to realize that... I am one of those chosen to take their place. After all, I only took my final vows two months ago. I wonder if you know what you're doing. Why, of course I do. I'm a missionary. I mean, I wonder if you know what it means to be a missionary in that part of the world. The same thing it would mean to be serving our Lord in any part of the world. It doesn't really matter where one is so long as one serves. Well, you, you have a simple philosophy, anyhow. I am simple, Mr. Copeland, I grew up in a tiny mountain village. Life was not a bit complicated, so neither am I. And now you're going to China to teach the heathen about God. An invisible, intangible God. Invisible? Intangible? No. Oh, oh Mr. Copeland. <laughs> I'm a reporter. You know, I'm just asking questions. God is not so very intangible and not so invisible. Well, anyway, his creation certainly is not. Go on. Isn't he the, the creator of man and the giver of life? Isn't, isn't he the creator of the universe, the, the stars, the planets? The, 
space itself. Uh, all the galaxies beyond human sight and understanding. Yeah. Yeah, I guess she is. But in a way, you're right about his intangibility because I suppose one's concept of God must always be very limited. We can only speculate and wonder about him just so far. And beyond that point, there's nothing but wondrous mystery. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But our Lord taught us about his love for us, his compassion for us, and his promise of eternal life. These things we can understand, so these things are enough for us, enough for our faith. Don't you agree? But are they enough for the Chinese heathen? Oh, many of them have been converted. Many of them are now very fine Christians. Well, I, <clears throat> I wish you luck, sister, but you're taking your life in your hands. Oh, not in my hands, Mr. Copeland. In God's hand. I stared at Sister Maria Santa's face. It was a young face, a pretty face with large, dark Italian eyes. In her pure white habit under the moon hanging over the ocean, she, she looked like something very holy. Nearly three weeks later, we docked in Hong Kong. Well, I'll say goodbye to you, Mr. Copeland. Oh, there's no need to, sister. I'll probably see you again in a week or two. Oh? I'm going to Tong Il Kiu. Oh, how very nice to think we'll see you again. I'll be looking forward to it. I understand we're going to be transported through the mountains in sedan chairs. I think I would much sooner walk, wouldn't you? <laughs> Frankly, no. I prefer comfort. <laughs> well, until we meet again, Mr. Copeland. Good luck, sister. The same morning, she and her party boarded a small ferry and were taken to the Chinese mainland. Another month passed before I could leave Hong Kong. A week after that, I reached Tong Yilkyu. I took a room at an inn where I was known. The innkeeper, a man called Wong, showed me to my room. So, it is complete now, Mr. Copeland. Huh? Uh, what is? The picture of China. Even you have come back. Well, is that bad? A point of view. <laughs> I won't press the point. The foreign soldiers are here. Foreign businessmen have come back. Even the missionaries have come back. New ones to replace the ones who were killed. They won't harm anybody. But why, Mr. Copeland? Why do they bring their foreign teaching to China? We have no need of their Christian God. Well, be, be broad-minded and, and learn about him. The final choice is always yours to make. Our choice was made a long time ago, Mr. Copeland. We have centuries of culture behind us. Progress made without concern for the Christian God. God is not popular in China. Is that it? He is as alien as any other foreigner, my dear friend. China prefers its own deities. We prefer to develop our own Chinese destiny. I'll make a note of that. Ah, please do. It might be worth remembering someday, Mr. Copeland, when your Western imperialism 
has run its course. Excuse me now. Sister Maria Santa and her group, headed by Mother Superior, had taken up temporary residence in the village until work on the restoration of the adjacent mission could be completed. It occurred to me the story I had written four years before about the Boxer Rebellion still needed an ending. Towards that end, I called on Sister Maria. Sister, you, uh, you look very, very, very tired. Oh, I'm quite strong. I'm quite accustomed to hard work. I worked even as a child in Italy. Well, how do you, how do you like it here? Everything we do is so rewarding. We have so many little children to teach. And to feed. Well, yes, of course. The poor little creatures were on the verge of starvation. Yeah, they have to be fed. I know. You think their parents let them come to us only because we feed them, don't you? Well, people have to be fed. Sister, tell me something. Why did you become a nun? So many people ask that question. Mr. Copeland, it was because of my love for God. I love him very deeply. When you love someone like that, you must dedicate yourself to him. You see, I love him more than I love anything else or anyone else in this world. What about your parents? Oh, I love them too, of course. I'm their child. But in a much greater sense, I realize I'm his child. And so my happiness must come from serving him first. My parents didn't want me to be a nun, but... God wanted me, and our village priest knew this. So he helped me to get a convent and convinced my parents to let me go there. Our Lord wanted me, you see. I, I guess I don't have to feel sorry for you. <laughs> no, Mr. Copeland, don't feel sorry for me. Rejoice for me. <laughs> Never feel sorry for any of us, Mr. Copeland. You see, we're our Lord's handmaid. Are you staying here for a time? For a few days. I uh, I have to be back in Hong Kong the end of next week, but I may come back here. I, I like the story I'm finding here. I went back to Hong Kong. A lot of things kept me there for quite some time. But with each passing day, the nagging feeling inside me grew. I kept thinking of that village on the mainland. It was like something pulling at me, straining to get me back there. There was snow on the ground when I did return there, and winter had come. The same room you had before, Mr. Copeland. Oh, thanks. Uh, what are you looking so green about? They were here. They came a few days after you left. Bandits. Bandits? What about the missionaries? Were they harmed? The bandits did not go in that direction. They only came to this side of the village. They robbed the shops, killed several people. My son was hurt. A bullet struck him. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I is it bad? He is in critical condition. Well, has the doctor seen him? Has the bullet been taken out? The bullet has been removed. Well, what does the doctor say? We have no doctor in this village, Mr. Copeland. Then who removed the bullet? One of the nuns. Without her and the others, my son would be dead now. Others here have helped, of course. My son was not the only one who was wounded. 
Well, uh, if there's anything I can do, I'll be glad to help. My son's room is off the courtyard, Mr. Copeland. The one you know is with him now. She is the one who took the bullet out. How's the boy, sister? Oh, Mr. Copeland. Ah, the boy's asleep. Yes, he's resting. I think the worst is over. Hey, you're shivering. You should wear warmer clothes. We used most of what we had to make clothing for the children. Some of the most needy ones here. Oh, here, here. Put my coat around your shoulders. Oh, no. Thank you, Mr. Copeland. Look, just don't argue. No, I don't mind being cold. Just do what I say. It's only the body that gets cold, Mr. Copeland. There. Isn't that a little better, huh? Thank you. How are things here? Well, we can't start rebuilding the mission until the spring, but there's plenty to do here in the village. We're hoping to get a shipment of food sometime before Christmas. Well, it's going to be a long, hard winter. Oh, please, take your coat back. You'll make me very happy if you'd keep it. Is it really mine, then? Yeah, yours. Very warm. It should be. It's fur-lined. So much material. If I took it apart, I'm sure I could find enough material to make at least three overcoats for three children. Don't you think so? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, sister. I think so. You won't mind? No, I won't mind. Oh, you're very kind, Mr. Copeland. Yeah. Are you staying long this time? Well, I have a date in Hong Kong for Christmas, and after that I have to go to Singapore, but I'll be back here in the spring. Why did you come all the way here, Mr. Copeland? I don't know. And I don't know why I have to come back here, but I have to. How nice to think that you will be coming back. Came the spring. I headed back to Tong Il Kyung. He is well, Mr. Copeland. My son is well and strong. Even now, he is on his way to your country. Oh? Oh, yes. He will go to school there and to college, and he will study medicine and become a doctor. That's a wonderful thing to hear. Oh, yes, indeed. It was her idea, Mr. Copeland. She made the suggestion. I am not rich, but I have enough to send my son to America. And I am grateful enough to want him to become a doctor. Mr. Copeland, my son became a Christian before he went away. Oh, that's fine. That's just fine, Mom. This nun, the one you know, who has suffered the same hardships we suffered this winter, for a love of her Christian God. Oh, Mr. Copeland. Yes, Mom. There must be more, much more to Christianity than I had supposed. Well, if she's made you see the light, she didn't come out here for nothing. Ah, no, Mr. Copeland. She came here to die. What? The epidemic, Mr. Copeland. Typhus. Many have died, and now she is sick with it. She is very weak, very tired, and so sick. You must see her before it is too late.
They say you're looking much better. You're getting well, sister. No, Mr. Copeland. I'm going to die. They say I'm not. But I am. Oh, I feel my dear Lord very, very close to me. As if he was standing here beside my bed. Seems so strange that I don't see him and that you don't see him because he is here in this room with us. Isn't it wonderful? I, I guess he's never been very far from you. He's never far from any of us, Mr. Copeland. He's always as close to us as we want him to be. You believe that, don't you, Mr. Copeland? I believe it, sister. Oh, oh what a lovely fragrance. Are there flowers in the room? Roses. Are there roses here? Oh, what perfectly exquisite perfume. There were no roses. No flowers of any kind. But the air was filled by perfume. We were all conscious of it. And then I saw the chaplain, Mother Superior and the nuns kneeling in wonderment. And then sounds came to me from the streets of the village. Such a sweetness in the air, my neighbor, as of a flower garden where there is no garden. A miracle of some kind. A miracle, you think? I have heard of such things in the Christian teachings, but I am told they occur only when a saint is present. A saint? Oh, yes. Then it must be that a saint is among us. Could such a thing be? Ah, but yes, for there is such a joy and happiness within me, such happiness that I have never felt before in all my life. Where is the saint? Where is the saint? Where is the saint? Your correspondent can now write the final chapter of the story of a Catholic nun named Sister Maria Assunta. She is dead now. She died within the occurrence of a miracle, a miracle in which those of us who were present shared. It was the miracle of the perfume that saturated the room in which she died. And then the fragrance spread throughout the village and through the hills. And people came from all directions asking where the saint was. But she was dead. Sister Maria Assunta had passed through the heavenly door of death. 
into the loving arms of her Lord. Sixty-three years ago, give or take a few months, it was my big story. Since then, three popes have shared in the process of her beatification. Three popes have said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. I want to thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour, brought to you by the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. For over 110 years, the Friars have devoted themselves to fulfilling St. Francis' prayer, to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, and to bring home those who have lost their way. We work for Christian unity and interreligious understanding. We provide respite at our retreat center at Greymoor. For those in need of spiritual renewal, we staff parishes throughout the world, serve as chaplains for colleges, hospitals, and prisons. We care for the ill through hospice work, ministry to those with HIV-AIDS. We also shelter the homeless and provide treatment and services for those suffering from alcoholism and drug addiction. If you would like to be included in our prayer list, participate in special St. Anthony Novenas, and or visit St. Anthony Shrine Graymore. Attend a retreat, learn more about our Ave Maria Hour productions, or simply make a donation to assist us in fulfilling St. Francis' prayer to help those in need. Please visit our website at atonementfriars.org or email me at avemaria at atonementfriars.org. You can write to me, Father Bob, Friars of the Atonement Graymore. Post Office Box 300, Garrison, New York, 10524. And so, in closing, I ask for the blessing of God upon you and those you love. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he look upon you with kindness and give you his peace. Amen.